Welcome to the Dunwoody Community Church Podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to listen in to one of our Sunday services, and we hope that you will be blessed by today's message. For more information about Dunwoody Community Church, please visit us at dunwoodychurch.org. That's dunwoodychurch.org. All right, we are on week six of our seven marks of a disciple, and since we have visitors from Rome, it seems only appropriate that we be in Romans. So turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter one. Today we're going to talk about the sixth mark, and that is mission. Now, don't get that wrong. I'm not talking about missions uh, where you become a missionary and you go overseas, although that might be part of this. I'm talking about mission, that we all have a mission. We share a mission from God as believers. And again, this shouldn't be anything that surprises you when I talk through this. There's tons of passages we can use, but we're gonna look at the first half of chapter one of Romans. So if you'll flip there with me, if you don't have a Bible or you know you like holding one as opposed to using your phone, there are Bibles underneath the seats in front of you. If you look at one of those, we're on page 780. So read along with me, if you will. Romans chapter one, I'm gonna read the first 17 verses. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also were among those Gentiles who were called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I remember that now, and I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I've had among the other Gentiles. I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish, That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. All right, so true confession times. As I'm reading through that at first, does it sound kind of Bible-y to you? Like, is that, a, is that an adjective, bible These long, run-on sentences, uh, these words you never use anywhere but in church, apostle, gospel, spirit of holiness. Like, Paul didn't write in English. He wrote in a language called Koine Greek. We've translated it into English. But even translated in English, it, it, it sounds like church, doesn't it? I mean, we just, we don't talk this way anymore. The thing is, when Paul wrote this, this is exactly how everyone talked. No one would bat an eye or or an ear, whatever that would look like, 
to hear Paul talk like this. It sounds totally normal. Paul's writing in the mid-50s AD. He's in the city Corinth, which is a Greek city, part of the Roman Empire. We don't know exactly when it is, 54, 55, 56, but we, we know it's somewhere right in there. I want to read you something else that was written at that same time period in this exact same language concerning a very similar event. We know exactly when it was written. It was written November 14th, 54 AD. And, and it's also, well, I'm gonna, it's been translated into English. Here's what it says. Claudius Caesar, the revealed God, who was owed to the ancestors, has departed to join them. And the one who is Lord himself, the one for whom the whole world has waited and hoped, has been proclaimed. The good spirit of the world, the very source of all that is good, Nero Caesar has been revealed. Therefore, we should all wear garlands and sacrifice to all the gods, having known their favor. Year one of the reign of Nero, Claudius, Caesar, Augustus, Germanicus, the 21st day of the month of Gnaeus Sebastus. November 14th, 54 AD. The emperor Claudius is dead and his son Nero has been elevated to become the new emperor. This is the proclamation that was sent out to inform the Roman world that there was a new emperor. It's called the gospel of Nero Caesar. Because gospel is an everyday, ordinary word in their language. It means a good, it means good news. It literally means good news. It's the word good and the word news put together in Paul's language. It's an announcement that should be really good. It's something new and exciting that's happening that they want to tell you. It's a gospel. Someday, hopefully soon, when we pay off the mortgage on this building, we will have a gospel. We'll have good news. We'll have an announcement that's really exciting. It's a common everyday word for these people. Now that was written in Rome on November 14th, 54 AD. We found that piece of paper outside Alexandria, Virginia, around 1900. Hey, how did it get there? There's no newspapers, there's no radio, there's no TV, there's no internet. Heck, there's not even a postal service. How did something written in Rome end up with copies in Alexandria, Egypt? Apostles. Apostles brought it. Apostle, like gospel means good news. Apostle means sent out. An apostle is a herald. It's a messenger. It's a normal, ordinary word in their language. When you need to send information out, you send it by apostles. They're heralds. They're people that have a message to tell other people. And did you notice the language that whoever, we don't know who wrote it, but whoever wrote it in the Roman Empire, you have Claudius, the father, who is God. He is the revealed God or the God made manifest. You have the son, Nero, who is Lord, Lord himself. And you have the spirit of goodness, the spirit of all that is good in the world. You got the Father, the Son, and the Spirit of goodness. What Paul writes at the beginning of Romans, nobody would bat an eye at his language. Nobody would be surprised when Paul said that he's called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel. Tons of people are apostles. It's a job. It means you're a herald. You're a messenger boy. You're a courier. That's what it means to be an apostle. You have a gospel. You have good news. 
Tons of people have that. Somebody saying, I'm an apostle with a gospel, dime a dozen. What would make everybody go, oh, wait, read, read that again? What did he just say? Is this is not the gospel of Nero, the new emperor. He says this is the gospel of God. And there's a new ruler, not because his dad died. Do you notice we can't actually say he died because of course he's a God. We have to say he's gone to join the ancestors. He's not the new ruler because his dad died and he took dad's place. He's the new ruler because he died and he came back. When Emperor Claudius died, he stayed dead. But when Emperor Jesus died, he came back. When people heard this, they would have stopped because this sounds like rebellion. Rome says, we rule. And Paul writes a letter back to the, the head of the Roman Empire, the city of Rome. And he says, I have a new gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And he says, I'm an apostle of that. Just like you sent out apostles for your messages, God has sent me out with my message. Now, at this point, cool, right? Neat history lesson. I hope you think maybe Paul's a little cooler than you used to think he was writing something like that. I mean, he puts his name on the top of that. Again, we don't know who wrote this one and it's official. Paul puts his name. I'm Paul. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what's going down. There is a new king by virtue of the fact that he can never be killed again. He's already died and come back. Paul says, I'm an apostle of this. Cool. Ne neat history lesson. Interesting stuff. Did you notice at the end of this pronouncement, there was a charge. We were told to do something in response. Therefore, we should all wear garlands and sacrifice to all the gods, having known their favor. We should respond to this good news that there's a new emperor. If this were happening now, you know, we all better wear a garland. We, we all better put some flowers on. We better make some sacrifices. Paul also gives us a charge. He calls us to something. The first four verses are his declaration of this new gospel, this new king. And then in verse five, he says, through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles, and the word just means peoples, to call all the peoples to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. Now, who's the we? If you look up back at the top, unlike most of Paul's letters, he's writing this one alone. Oftentimes he's writing with Silas or Timothy or Sosthenes or he lists these other writers. It's just him. The whole rest of the letter is I. Verse eight, I thank my God. Verse nine, I serve. Verse 10, I pray. Verse 11, I may impart. I mean, it, everything else is just I. It's the only place in the whole passage that it's we. Who's the we? Like why, why have we received grace and we have received apostleship? Paul's never been to Rome. He didn't plant the church. He's never been there. He knows some of the people. He's met some of the people in other places, but he doesn't know most of the people in that church. He has no clue who they are. Why is he saying we? Because Paul knows that what's true for him, that he's called to be an apostle, that that's true for everyone in Rome. It's true for every Christian ever. Romans in the first century, Italians, in the 21st century, 
people from North America, everyone who names the name of Christ has received grace. I mean, that's sort of the foundation of our, our faith, our belief. You know, we say all the time, we don't do good so that God will save us. God has saved us, so we do good. We're not trying to get God to do something. Jesus died for us before any of us were ever born. He's not doing it in response to us. We didn't make a deal with him. It's just grace, unmerited favor. It's just his goodness. If you name Christ, if you claim to be a Christian, you have received grace from God. And you've also received apostleship. Another word we never, have you ever heard apostleship used outside of church? But in his world, it's a perfectly normal word. It means you've been commissioned as a herald. It means you've been given a job. You're a courier. You have a message. And maybe it's an official job and they're paying you for it. Or maybe it's informal. In his world, if I was to walk down and say to Susan and, and hand her some keys, Susan, Tim forgot these. He's in his office. He'll need them. Will you take them to him, please? Susan has received apostleship. I have commissioned her as a messenger. I've given her something. She has a message. Tim, you need these. She's an apostle in their sense of the language. It's an ordinary, everyday word. And Paul says, all of us, if you name Jesus as your Lord, if you agree with what he says at the beginning of this, that there is a new king who is king because he died and then he came back. If you have received grace from him, you have also received apostleship. That's our mission. That's why we call this mission, this mark, that all Christians have a mission. We all are supposed to be doing what Paul says. What's our, what's our message? We're heralds. What are we supposed to say? What are we supposed to do? To call all the people to the obedience that comes from faith. That's our job. That's all of our jobs, every single one of us, if you name the name of Christ, if you say you are a Christian, if you believe what Paul says at the beginning of this, then you're a herald. You have a message to share with people. You are to call people to obedience through faith. It's the only way obedience works in God's kingdom, faith. You, you have to start out trusting him. Now, I want you to imagine that we live in Paul's day, that, that this has happened, you know, Nero's the new emperor. Let's say the Roman Senate makes a new tax on ships. Anytime a cargo ship comes into a Roman port, they have to pay a dollar. So the Roman Senate makes a new tax. Any cargo ship has to pay a dollar to dock in a Roman port. And so they write it up and they sign it and they stamp it. Great. Rome's landlocked. There's no port in Rome. How's anybody going to hear about this? Apostles. They commission tons of people as apostles. They make copies of the new law. They hand it out to them. So imagine you just got hired as an apostle. You're an apostle of the new tax. So that's probably not a gospel. Nobody's going to think a tax is good news. But it's news. And you are sent to Corinth, which is where Paul is when he writes Romans, we think. Right? So you are going to go to Corinth, you're going to find the harbor master in the harbor at Corinth, and you're going to announce this to him. Look, there's a new law. From now on, you must collect a dollar from every cargo ship that lands at your port. And then, I don't know, maybe you're supposed to send it in quarterly or yearly or biannually or whatever. But, but here's the new law, okay? You're a herald. What if the harbor master doesn't believe you? Not your job. 
you're a herald. You're supposed to tell him, here's the new law. You're not code enforcement. What if he says, I'm not gonna do that, that's stupid. That's on, that's on him. You don't gotta come in every day to his office and watch him and be like, did you get a dollar from that ship? You get a dollar from that ship? You got... I mean, you're gonna end up in jail or, or smacked if you end up in his office doing that. That's not your job. Your job is to tell him. Your job is to announce. This is true. It's happened. You need to comply with this. Whether he chooses to believe you or not, that is on him. He can decide, I think this is a scam. I don't trust you for a second. I am not collecting that tax. Or he can decide, okay, great, yep, I see the seal, I got it. And he can start collecting that tax. And every year, he can send it in or whatever he's supposed to do with it. If he chooses to comply, then one day the governor will show up and reward him. He will be rewarded for his faithful service to the empire. If he chooses not to reply, not to do what he's supposed to do, then one day the governor's going to wonder why he's not gotten any taxes from Corinth in the last three years. And he's going to show up as well, only he'll probably show up with soldiers. But that's not your problem. That's not your responsibility. It's not your job to convince the harbor master that the law is real. It is real. It comes from the Senate. They made the law. It's just your job to tell him. What he does with it is his business. Suppose he starts questioning you about it. Really? Seriously? The Senate made... How many senators voted for that? Are the tribunes in on this? I bet the tribunes did this. I don't really think that's a law. I think it's just a power grab by the tribunes. How about the eight aisles? How did the eight aisles vote? I cannot believe the eight aisles would agree to that. Do you know the answer to any of those questions? Of course not. You're not a senator. You weren't in there when they debated. You're a herald. You're a courier. I mean, seriously, when a company hires a guy to get on his little bike and take the document across, are they like, okay, now here's why we've made this decision in case anyone wants to know. And if they have any questions, here's the answer to everything. You're just a courier. You bring him the message. When he starts questioning him, you go, do I look like a senator to you? I don't know. Hey, maybe you do know. Maybe your brother's a senator. Maybe your cousin told you about the liberation. You want to explain it to him? Great. But that's not your job. Your job isn't to convince him. Your job isn't to argue with him. Your job's not to get him to change. You're a herald. Your job is to tell him this is what has happened. This is truth. There will be consequences one day if you do not abide by this. The Senate has declared it. It is reality. And yet so often, aren't we scared to talk to people about Jesus? Because we don't know how to answer their questions. That's not your job. You don't have to answer people's questions. You have to tell them. Now, hey, if you want to answer questions, blessings on you. Let me wholeheartedly encourage you to learn some apologetics, to know scripture, to be able to answer these things. There are answers to these questions. But you're a herald. You're an apostle. You have been sent out with a message. You have not been sent out with all the answers. You're not the emperor. You cannot tell why everything has happened the way it has happened. You can just say, this is truth. This has happened. There is a new king who died and came back. He calls you to come back to him. He invites you to come back to him.
but you can't make anybody listen to you. You can't make anybody accept that. Scripture even says that over and over again. Only God's spirit can move people. Only God's spirit brings people to faith. That's not your job. Your job is just to tell them, here's what's happened. Here's what's true. And it's okay if you don't have the answers. And it's okay if they don't believe you. It's okay if they think it's a scam. It's okay. That's not your job. Your job is to announce. So, how do you do that? Like if you were this herald going to Corinth, you would have a strategy. You'd go down to the south of Italy, to the eastern side, you'd take a ship across to modern day Croatia, Albania, you'd hike up into Greece, go down through Athens, into the isthmus where Corinth is. You'd go to the harbor master there on the south side of Corinth. You would have a strategy for how you were going to do this. How am I gonna get from here to there? How am I gonna tell this guy? What am I going to do? Well, Paul tells us his strategy, right? You don't have to follow it. He doesn't say this is the only way to do it. He says, this is how I do it. And you've heard me talk about this before because it's in Romans, it's in Ephesians, it's in Colossians. I mean, this is how Paul does it, right? I think it's really helpful. So here's what Paul says. Paul says the first thing he does is he prays. Verse eight, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Verse 10, I, uh, nine and 10, I remember you in my prayers at all times. I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. The first thing Paul does is to pray, to ask God, to, to ask God to give him opportunities, to ask God to, to let him do these things. Now, Paul felt like he was called to go to Rome. And so he prayed for God to give him opportunities to go to Rome. Okay, you guys, you are called to go to Rome. So I don't know if the rest of you all are called to go to Rome or not, but you're called somewhere. I mean, you are somewhere. You live in a neighborhood. If you have kids, they go to a school. There's a swim and tennis club. You are places that God has put you. Pray. Pray about those places. Pray about where God has put you. Pray about your neighborhood, pray about your pool, pray about your school, pray about your clubs, pray about what, what, where, where has God put you? Because God, Jesus has his people everywhere. God has put you somewhere as his herald. That's what Paul says, we're all heralds. You got grace and you got being a herald. They come together. You, you got Jesus died for you and saved you and now he wants you to go tell other people that this is true. They're, they're a package deal if you're a Christian. Where has God put you? Pray for those people. Pray for opportunities. Ask God. But Paul says, hey, I am praying for a chance to come and see you. He hasn't gotten it yet. We know from history he won't get it for another four years or so, and he'll go there in chains as a prisoner. Doesn't turn out like he expected. But he's praying. He's praying for an opportunity. Where has God placed you? Pray. Ask the Lord. If you're not sure, ask God, where should I be praying? Who should I be praying for? What should I be doing? Where do you want me to be a herald? Where have you called me? Is it in a job? Is it in a neighborhood? Is it with this group of friends? That's his business. If you were working for Rome and they sent you out as a herald, they'd send you somewhere. You go to Corinth and tell the harbor master. You go to Alexandria, tell the harbor master. You go to Hispania, tell the harbor master. Those places are in totally opposite parts of the world. You all can't go everywhere. You're gonna go where you're told to go. 
Ask the Lord, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to be your herald? The first thing Paul does is he says he prays. The second thing he does is in verse 11. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Paul's gonna look for chances to serve them. When he gets them, he hasn't gotten them yet. He says that in verse verse 13. Hey, I tried to come see you before. It just hasn't worked out yet. Again, if if you're that herald sitting on the beach and uh, the eastern coast of Rome waiting for a ship, You don't go till the ship goes. If the ship goes tonight, you leave tonight. If the ship goes Wednesday, you leave Wednesday. If a storm comes up and the ship doesn't go, then you wait. You can't control those things. Paul can't control those things. All he can do is pray. But he says, when I get the chance to see you, I'm going to serve you. I'm gonna share my spiritual gifts with you. How has God gifted you? What are the things you you like, you care about? Where does God wanna use you to serve other people? I can't cook. I'm not gonna deliver cookies to people. That wouldn't go well. Maybe you can. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe that's how God wants you to serve people. Paul's gonna pray, and when he gets the chance, he's gonna serve people. And then finally, he says in verse 15, then he's gonna preach the gospel. Then he's gonna do what he's been called to do as a herald. He's gonna talk. He's gonna tell people. He's gonna pray for opportunities. When he gets chances to serve people, he's gonna serve them. And when he gets chances to speak, then he's going to speak. Folks, this is not rocket science. You don't need a degree in theology to get this. Pray, serve, speak. Just like that. If you don't know where to start, we can all pray. Just ask God, where do you want me to be a herald? As he shows you stuff, ask him for opportunity there. Ask him for chances to serve people and speak to people there. As he opens up opportunities, take them. When he gives you a chance to serve in that place, then do it. Use your gifts. I mean, Paul says that you and I may be mutually encouraged. He doesn't think this is gonna be bad or hard. He thinks he's gonna get something out of it too. When God gives you chances to serve, then serve. And when God gives you chances to speak, then speak. When God puts you somewhere and opens these opportunities, then take them. Why don't we do it? I mean, seriously, let's face it. Most of us aren't doing this. I mean, we can all, yes, you're right. It says that right in scripture. We're all apostles, but most of us are not living like this. Why not? Paul says two things about himself that I think are telling. He says in verse 14, I am obligated. Like Paul feels an obligation God has given them this, this. He knows he has it. He feels obligated to it. I don't think we feel obligated to it. Like, sure, yeah, it says that. I get it. But we don't feel an obligation to it. Like, oh, this is a responsibility. God has given me grace, and he's made me a herald, and I need to take that seriously. I don't think we feel obligated. And then Paul says in verse 16, I am not ashamed. So Paul does feel obligated, he is not ashamed. And I think most of us do not feel obligated and we do feel ashamed. Because our whole world constantly tells you, you should feel ashamed. If you think there is truth, if you think that you are right, our world says, you should be ashamed. Because we don't acknowledge that in this world. There is no truth, there is no right. You, everyone decides what they want on their own. Don't say anything that I don't wanna hear. Paul says he's not ashamed. And we need to be not ashamed as well. 
just like that herald going into Corinth, telling the harbor master, there's a new tax. That was definitely not a gospel. Nobody wanted to hear there was a new tax. Nobody wanted him to say that. That was his job. He had an obligation and he had to not be ashamed and afraid to do it. He had to go and do it. And that's what God calls us to. If you don't know where to start, then pray. Just pray. Make it a regular habit. Ask the Lord, where do you want me to be a herald? Where, where am I your apostle? Where are you sending me? Remember, apostle sent out. Where? Where do you want me to go? Just ask him to show you these things. And as he shows you things, then respond. Pray for opportunity. Look for ways to serve. Look for chances to speak. When you get the chance, open your mouth. Speak. Do not be ashamed because it's the truth. You don't have to like that there's a new tax. You don't have to appreciate that there's a new tax. You don't even have to acknowledge that the Roman Empire has the right to tax you. There is a new tax. It's the truth. And there are going to be consequences for you as the harbor master if you do not obey what has been decreed. That's all you're doing. When you get the chance, do it. So we've been saying as we go through these marks that we want to give you ways, practical ways to engage with them. So Tim talked about one at the beginning here, that we are doing this 10-week missional study. Right? This is one of the marks, mission. You have a mission. You need to be on mission. We are all missionaries. You may or may not be sent other places, but you're sent somewhere. It may be in your neighborhood that you already are. It may be in a school where you already are. It may be in a job where you already are. Or, yes, the Lord may send you elsewhere. He did that for our family at a point in time. Right now, it's from our church because God sent them there. That's where their mission was. But for most of us, it's just going to be right where you are. This community, 10 weeks, Wednesday nights, it's going to help you think through that. It's going to challenge you to do that. You're, you're going to meet and talk about, okay, where are we? Where has God put us? Where are we called to be apostles? You're going to encourage one another and pray for one another. And then you're going to like, okay, this week I'm going to go out. I think God has called me to be involved with my swim and tennis club. So this week I'm going to strike up a conversation with someone around the swimming pool while my kids are swimming. Great, we'll pray for you to do that. Go do it. Come back. Let's talk about it. If you don't know what to do and you don't know how to make this work, come and join us on Wednesday nights. We're, just, we're gonna encourage each other. We're gonna study this. We're gonna work through it. As Tim says, it is 10 weeks that will change your life. So if you don't know what to do and you're like, I don't get it, then come on Wednesday nights and learn. We'll work through it together. Right? We have another opportunity we've told you about that Tim Chu on Saturdays meets and takes a group of people to, to work with the homeless downtown and do ministry that way. So we've asked Tim if he will come up and just tell us a little bit about that and how to meet and how to get involved. And again, here's a chance. If you don't know what to do, come on a Saturday. Join, join Tim and his folks on Saturday. Hello. Um, yeah, so the ministry that uh, we've been partnering with is called Seven Bridges to Recovery. It's a ministry in Smyrna, Georgia, and it's a women and children's homeless shelter, and they also have a men's discipleship group. Um, all of them have come from some type of addiction or homelessness, and, uh, but what we've been doing is their Saturday ministry. So um, what we've been doing is we've been meeting in the parking lot here at 945, um, people at the church, 
Um, and we've been carpooling over there, meeting there around 1030. We've been packing lunches with the ministry, about 400 to 450 lunches. And then at 12 o'clock is orientation where they talk about like what we do um, to anyone that's new and just pray, pray it out. Um, after that, we'll, car- we'll caravan into Atlanta. There are two different routes. There's one route that goes into the bluffs of Atlanta, which is a high traffic, high crime area with a lot of drugs. Um, not a great area, but um, it's the people that we need to go to and serve. And the other one is the bridge route, which goes under the bridges of Atlanta. Uh, there's a lot of people living in tents, sleeping under bridges, um, where we go talk with them, pray with them, um, give them lunch, um, give them something to eat. Um, it typically runs from 12 to 2 or 3, and we've been getting back at the church around 3.30 to 4. And uh, it's been really great. Um, we've been doing it for quite a while now. We've, I want to say we've had a pretty consistent group coming out for the last two months. Um, if you guys are interested, feel free to talk to me anytime. Um, and you can find one, talk to me after church or find my number in the directory. I'll work with you if you need like any kind of like scheduling or that kind of thing. But it's really great. I encourage you all to check it out. So that's it. So you have two Tim opportunities. You can hang out with Tim Chu under the bridges in downtown Atlanta. Or you can hang out with Tim Beard here in the church on Wednesday nights. Hey, take your pick. We're good either way. So, but, but you are heralds. You, you, you need to step out. You need to be doing this. You've been commissioned. You need to not just drop it. If you don't know what to do, pray. Come Wednesday, work through things with us. Go on a Saturday with Tim. See if something, God does something in that. But this is a mark of being a disciple of Christ. We have all been given apostleship. We've all been commissioned as herald. We all have a gospel to share. The good news, God loves you. He wants you back. He has done everything that is necessary for you to come back to him. You just need to say yes. So I'm gonna pray over us. I'm gonna pray and ask God to be speaking to you about this, for his spirit to be nudging you, that if you don't feel obligated and you should, that he nudges you, that if you're ashamed and you shouldn't be, that he nudges you. Maybe you need to repent. You know, maybe you just need to say to God, I'm sorry, I know, I know I should be doing this. I'm not doing it because I don't care. I'm not doing it because I'm scared. I mean, it's not like God doesn't already know that. It's good for us to tell him. It's good to confess. It's good to repent. If those things are true of you, tell the Lord. Ask him what he wants you to do next. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I I pray for our church. I pray for me. I know, Lord, that that these things are often hard. As Tim says, this leaks. I mean, we're we're great to get together. We're great to study together and and small groups and Bible studies and church and all these things. Um, we're, We're not so good at being heralds. We're not so good at going out and proclaiming that, that there is a new king, that, that, that Jesus is Lord because he has died and he has risen again and he invites everyone to come into his kingdom. Oh, Lord, you know, we're just not as good at that. So I pray for us that you would speak to us. If, if there's folks in here who are ashamed of the gospel, then I pray, Lord, you, you would point that out to us so that we can repent 
If there's folks who we don't feel obligated, we know it's in the scriptures, we just don't care. We're apathetic. Then I pray, Jesus, you would speak to us about that so we can repent. Holy Spirit, be at work in us so so that we do this, that we take this seriously, that we do what, what the Apostle Paul says here. And wow, the scripture says over and over again in so many places that we are heralds. We are couriers. We have a message to bring. How people respond is your business, Lord. It is not ours, but we have a message. Jesus, be gracious to us. As we take communion, as we sing again, speak to us, Holy Spirit. Be at at work in us. Show us where you want us to be your apostles. Where have you sent us? Where do you want us to go out and to speak to people? To, to, to just what Paul says, to who do you want us to pray for? Who do you want us to serve? Who do you want us to speak to? We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.